This your boy G, your brother, your friend, and as my boy used to say, your neighbor. Um, it's with sadness that I even have to say this today. Um, it's, it's a different vibe. Even even James Brown just took on a new meaning for me. You know, it being a man's world. But we'll get to that. Uh, has my co-host, Nathaniel Darby. Young man. He still had a lot going on. Uh, he's passed away. You know, it's, it's it's hard to say that, you know, out loud and accept that. That, you know, my brother ain't here with me no more. You know, we, we fussed and, uh, you know, we went back and forth about this show so many times. And, uh, you know, having a... Uh, to address his death. You know, we did so many RIPs on the show and he was passionate about that. You know, a father, a husband, great family, man. Sometimes I was jealous of like his smoothness, his smoothness, like dealing with his family, like his children, his wife, like he handled it in the way that I wanted to handle it, like smoothly, not, not, not get too mad about things, at least when he talked to me about it. He was just cool and just watching him interact with his children, with his son. Uh, it was admirable. It was admirable. And sadly, you know, gun violence has taken another. You know, 2020 has been rough. It's been rough. But uh, I know he's listening. And I know he wants this thing to keep going. This is one of the things that I knew he was proudest of as the moderator. And honestly, I wouldn't have really went ahead and did it had he not called me for a meeting to do this show. <laughs> so this this was his baby. More than mine, I know it felt like I was the front man, but he was stepping into it. He was stepping into it. He had to take a break because of COVID. You know, he had a pregnant wife. And, <clears throat> you know, that was his concern. And we argued about that. That was our last conversation. We argued about, like, man, it's just me and you. <laughs> and I so wish, you know, that I would have just kept pushing, pushing, pushing. But I knew he was coming back because I know how he felt about it, you know, regardless. So today, um, he'll he'll never be replaced. They'll be replaced. He'll he'll live on as long as the show is going. As long as y'all uh, y'all will listen to me talk about a lot of stuff. He's here with me. He's right beside me every time I do this show. So uh, shout out to to the Darby family. You know my condolences. I've been talking to him as much as possible. I don't have a whole lot of details about the incident, but. Yeah, it's rough, and it's rough for the family, rough for the family. So uh, without further ado, I have in the studio with me today, my studio, my little makeshift studio. I hope the sound is good. I'm in a different location today. So uh, I have Tyreek's critiques, <laughs> Mr. Show Me the Money. <laughs> <laughs> How y'all doing? How y'all doing? Um, I want to start this off with... Uh... You know, clearly I like movies. I want to start this off with a quote that I heard 
by DMX. I don't know if it was scripted or if it was ad-libbed, but it's from the movie uh, Romeo Must Die. He said, guns don't kill people, people kill people. And (laughs) when I was a kid, I heard that. I was like, whoa, that sounded cool. But as you grow up and you see these things, you hear about these things, you realize truly it cannot go off by itself. No. There is somebody at the other end of that pulling the trigger. And even if they had something set to go off, it can't set itself. So. No, the trigger don't fire by itself. It, it does it's not. not pulled. It has to be pulled. Um, and that's something that he, you know, I, I can hear him say now, man, we got to talk about this. We got to do something about it. Like, we got to say something. Yes. And and even though this does not bring any 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 uh, comfort to, to any of us that lost him, we have to discuss these things. Because the violence this year and the violence that's been going on for as long as I can remember in the black community, you know, it's not them that's killing us. It's us that's killing us. And that's, that's, that's hard. You know, when you say black lives matter, do they to you? In our own community, do we believe that? Because, uh, and I'm not, and let me, let me give this, I guess, disclaimer. I am not saying we should not come together when one of our own people die, period. Uh, this year, more than ever, was, was the icing on the cake. And I don't mean that in a, in a sweet way. Of uh, All the way across the board. All the way across the board. And, you know, it, it's, it's we all get together when, uh, when a white officer or anybody white kills one of us by a gun. We all get together. We protest. Sometimes we riot. But... Are we going to have that same energy or do we have that same energy when one of us kills one of us for whatever reason? And we should. And I I, I agree. I'm not saying, you know, we should, uh, you know, uh, put one over the other because obviously we're being targeted. That's not a question. But us as a community, do we love ourselves enough to show others that we should be loved? Because nobody else it's gonna really love us, but us, especially black men. Yes, especially. Yes. You so, know, uh, um, you know, I've I've heard people say like women on on social media. I read some things of people of the resurgence of Mal- Malcolm X's quote back in the sixties when he said, uh, uh, "The most endangered species, the most unprotected um, person." However, you said I, I don't don't quote me on that, um, but he was he he was saying that black women were the most endangered and the most unprotected, and and people are trying to bring that up now. And even then, when he said it, I had some some arguments with that that I mostly saw black men being lynched, black men being hanged, right. black men being jailed. Black men being, you know, uh, less op- they we had less opportunities. Yep. In this country, and it's and when you travel abroad a little bit, when you get out there and dip your feet in the water, and and go to those other countries, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. We're treated the same way everywhere. A black man is automatically a threat as soon as he walks in the room, and. And we look at them for how they look at us like that. 
But then we do the same thing to each other. We we have to get that eye contact to make sure it's good. Yeah. To make sure, you know. Confirmation. Yeah. Yeah, we, we have to look at each other to make sure it's, it's, it's an I come in peace situation. And we're just passing each other by. Half the time, we don't even speak to each other. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's sad. When I was growing up, that's what we did. You know, you're going to get the nod. You're yeah. going to get the, what's up, man? What's up, brother? You know what I mean? And it's almost like, it's like, it's like unspoken, it's like unspoken and unseen tension. It's that confirmation like, hey, we're good. Okay, we're, we're in a safe spot or we, we literally were just passing each other by. Right. But I can see your hands. You can see my hands. Everything's cool. Right. There's yeah. no, you know, there's, I ain't gotta, I ain't gotta, I guess you could say tense up right quick. Um, and it's sad that, yeah. you know, the people that we should feel safest around because we're all dealing with the same thing. Yes. The whole world feels the same way about us. Yes. We should be together. Unity, uh, you look at so many other other cultures, you see their unity, you see their togetherness, you see, like, y'all got each other's backs. Yeah. And then you look at us, and it's like, well, where's the love? Like, where's the where's the unity? And uh, so I, I'm going to, what I'm going to say is in, in tune with this. Uh, in fact, you and I went to go see the movie Queen and Slim last year, Thanksgiving Day. Not a movie you should watch on Thanksgiving, but a movie you should watch. <laughs> yeah, I, I know what you're going to bring. You're going to bring up Jim, Judas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and not just not just Judas. I, I came home. I came home. Uh, <laughs> I was in a mood. Good lord! Right before work, I was in a mood. I was like, "Let me eat this this uh, this Thanksgiving meal and get myself together before I go to work angry." Remember, I tried to get up twice. Yeah. <laughs> I want to believe twice. Yeah, like I said, a good movie to watch, but on Thanksgiving Day with your family. I, Pete, families was in this theater, packed out, sold out at 10 in the morning. No. But anyway, uh, I digress. So with Queen and Slim, it, there, there's there's a couple scenes that kind of kind of kind of get you. And we have, with the idea of, 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 of gun violence and us not looking out for each other. And hopefully y'all have seen it. If y'all have not, spoiler alert. Uh, the two main characters die by a gun, but it's not just them dying by a gun from 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 a white cop. It was the fact that they were finessed, set up, and set up by their own people. In fact, uh, and, and what Gerald called what you called a black Judas, because we thought to the end of the movie they were finally going to get a break. They were going to get to where they needed to be, but no, this this guy. For, for a couple dollars, and I'm going to say a couple, because you may call a couple thousand a lot of money. Some people could blow that in an hour. Look on your phone, shop, just shop on your phone. That could be gone in an hour. This dude drives them to the main spot, takes off. We think it's going to be okay. In my head, I'm like, yeah, something up, but, you know. He's a snake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a lot of those. Yes, in our own community, and it's like we thought like that the the the, the black man was gonna help another black person, mm-hmm. another black man and a black woman. He got this couple killed, mm-hmm. murdered. The streets always do what they're supposed to do, though. Yeah, you know what really shocks me is when you leave the streets, and and the value of your word and and the handshake seems to dwindle away. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I had some conversations not too long ago about, you know, my 
you know, coming into, you know, a, a square life is what I call it. You know, I, I love this life, but you know what? One of the things I value being in the hood is that, you know, when you knew when somebody meant what they meant, you know, meant what they said. Yeah. And, and you knew that handshake was like real. Like when you had solid people around you, when they said something, that's what it was. When and I'm I'm not just talking about like criminal activity. I'm right. just talking about just being in the hood and and dealing with solid people. When they said what they said, that's what it was. And and coming into like uh, careers and church and and looking somebody in the eye and shaking hands and giving them your word, it it, it meant less. It meant less. Um, we as, as men. We seem to like, like, uh, just that's not important. You know, that, that, that shit, that's, that's your name is everything. Your reputation is everything as a man. You know, what you say and what you do, that follows you. I think we lost, I don't know where, I can't pinpoint it because I'm a, I'm a 93 baby. So. I only started remembering things 97, 98, 99, maybe. I think that wherever this change happened, I don't know if it was late 80s, mid 90s, whatever it was, whatever happened with the word being tarnished, the word being that's the word yep. tarnished, yep. the word being, uh, you know, not valid anymore, that that's trickled down to my generation. Truth be told. You know, I, I love hanging around. I'm not even going to call them old heads. I love hanging around people older than me. I prefer to hang out around people. I'm 27. Give me 10 and up, 10 years and up. I like that because being raised in a household of black women, I never understood or I never got the idea of how it was being a man, a black man. So hanging around Gerald, hanging around the people he knows. Hell, going back to home in Baltimore with my uncle. I feel more black in Baltimore than I do here. But that's just me. But learning that it's tarnished. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. And and when you come from those environments, um, that situation growing up, we we look for we we try to piece together fathers. Yeah. We we try to piece together manhood and, and being the aggressive side of the genders. Um, a lot of times when we deal with things with, with emotion, it doesn't come out the way it's supposed to. Like one of the most important things I'll say time and time again is that you have to get your emotions under control. You got to get that intact before you can go out this door and deal with what's out there. And a lot of brothers are in jail because of that. Yeah. Because they couldn't get those down. Uh, or a lot of brothers have lost out on opportunities. Because they haven't gotten their uh, emotions in check, you know, their emotions in check. A lot of people that have a gun may know how to use one, but there's so many, there's there, there's a couple factors of knowing how to use a gun, not just physically, I think mentally as well. Uh, yes. Use a gun. Yes. Um, yeah. And a gun is always dangerous. It is. You know, whether you yeah. know how to use it or you do know how to use it, it's still a dangerous instrument. You don't use it for, for, for props and for play. No. No, and I, I feel like a lot of times 
it's it's used like like in video games. Like they're just firing a weapon and trying to kill something. Like they don't. This is real life. Yeah. Like a mother is gonna lose her son. A father is gonna lose their son. You know, a wife, kids gonna lose their dad. And on both sides of the spectrum, both of y'all are screwed. Yeah. You know, the one that did it and the one that died. Something a friend told me, a, a small thing, but we were talking about weapons and owning uh, owning a gun. And this, this sat with me for years, about six or seven years. This guy, cool dude, quiet dude, but in a weird way, you knew not to piss him off. But uh, he said these words. He said, I can never own a gun. We said, why? He said, I don't know. He said, I don't want to have that kind of power in my hands, nor would I know what to do if I had that kind of power in my hands. Yeah. And this is a sensible person. But in the realm of him having a gun, he knew himself mentally well to know now just ain't the time. Right. And this is coming from early 20s. That's responsible, though. It is. That's, that's so responsible, knowing that your your emotions can't handle that type of responsibility. Like, I don't want to use, I don't want to have this and get mad and know I got it. Right. But in a lot of situations, you don't want to, you don't want to, you don't want to be without it. You know what I mean? A gun to me is meant for protection. I'm an advocate for gun, gun, gun owners. Yes. You know, I believe you should own a gun. Every household should have a gun. Yes. You don't know what's going to come down, you know, in the pipe. You don't, you don't know what's going to come down. There were, uh, I learned, I looked this up in high school. I didn't pay much attention to it, but, uh, we were looking up funny laws. One of the funny laws that they had listed was in Kennesaw. And this is back in 2011. So I don't know if it's changed. It's probably the same. Back in 2011, they said that every household in Kennesaw had to have a gun. I don't know how they were checking that. I don't know how they were, you know, like, Hey, are you checking people's houses here? They got a weapon or if it's just one of those known things, I don't know. But it was, and we all thought like, huh, that's interesting. You must own a gun in Kennesaw. Okay, whatever. But uh, now, in, in, in 2020, has brought us so much gun violence, physical violence, uh, violence by hand, by actual hand. But even with gun violence, that's still your hand press. It, it's, it's pulling the trigger. And I remember my cousin, he, 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 he's 31, never owned a gun in his life. This year, right after George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, uh, Ahmaud Aubrey, right after that, this dude called me. He said, "I'm getting my license. I'm getting my piece. I'm getting my ammo." You know, not, not like it's a zombie apocalypse or anything. He's doing this for defense. Yeah, I like mean, seeing that type of stuff. Yeah, from the people that's put out here, their job is to protect us, and they're killing us. Yes, and and that's the that's the that's kind of where I was going when I was talking about when when I opened up about you know gun violence in the beginning of this conversation that. I'll tell you a Muhammad Ali uh, interview that okay. I recently seen, and he was talking about you know black people voting and stuff like that. And I I truly believe, you know, if Martin Martin Luther King's uh, speeches after I Have a Dream, yeah. after all of that, hoorah, him getting us to vote and stuff like that. After that, if we had more footage of what he was saying after that, yes, the last couple years of his life. We have a different opinion of what his message was, you know, because he was bamboozled like a lot of us. And what Muhammad Ali was saying that, you know, we we can go out here and vote and do all of that, you know, march for our rights and stuff like that. But, 
you know, just like the Jews and and the Irish and and the Asians, they were shut out yeah. of, of politics. And, and I think he said something about the Jews not being allowed on the beaches and stuff like that. So what they did was instead of marching, protesting, trying to vote it in, they went and bought, they, they got together and they went and bought their own beach. Yep. You know what I mean? Instead of trying to get into the movies and into the workforce where they don't want you at. Yeah. They went and bought that stuff for themselves. They created those opportunities for themselves. For their people, for their tribes. Yeah. Huh. And, and I'm not, again, I'm not against voting. I'm just for, for, for us thinking a little bit further than just the vote. And, and even with that, and so with the voting aspect, you had told me, you know, um, how people feel about people that don't vote and stuff like that. And it's like, this is just a small, a small sidestep, but it's like, there are so many, if you think of anything that it took, anything that we had to, that we had to do anything for people died, people, people died for us to do certain things, everything, but just voting. It wasn't just voting. We, we, (laughs) Any any little thing for a black person to get done, somebody had to be the cause of that. But we we took our eyes in that in in that effort. We took our eyes off of what really mattered. Yes. All the things that were really important. Our neighborhoods, less gun violence, uh, over eighty percent two parent household. Yes. Um, the fact that our kids were being empowered. You know what I mean. And, and, and there was a sense of real community. You didn't have to lock your door. Right. That's how good it was. See. There was no need for security. You know what I mean? It wasn't junkies walking up and down the street when we had our eyes on what mattered. Right. I'm not saying it wasn't, there, it was absolutely zero of any of that, uh, any of the negative side of that. But we were winning. Yeah. We had jobs. We had homes. We, we had our own schools. Yeah. You know, uh, there, there's a big push now for us to have our own school. We, we've had HBCUs for a long time. Yes, we have. When we couldn't go to their colleges, we had our own college to go to. But we've always fought to be in a different position than the one that we had. And it's like, it's kind of like those relationships when somebody is cheating. You think the grass is greener. Uh-huh. And then you find out that you should have stayed home. Yeah. And and I think we we forgot about where home is. And to add on to that, I'm gonna say maintenance. The whole grass is greener thing. That shit. Excuse my French, but grass. You got you got maintenance. The grass. You got you got to you, you realize you have to you have to feed it. You have to feed into what you want done. You have to feed into what's right. It's gonna take a long time to get that grass to look like your lawn. Oh yes. <laughs> it's gonna take a long time. A lot of people be looking over their fence thinking that. Okay, uh, I like this grass over here. You, yeah, she got, she looked good. Yeah, it looked great. All the stuff that I wish this one was doing. Yeah, and then you don't realize that all of that stuff takes work anyway. Do you have the patience? Do you have the mindset? Do you have the discipline? Do you yeah. have the the like? It's it's but all you've stuff. Shown it what you with what you already built. You've yeah, already built that. Yeah, but you think just because this grass is blue green that that your true green ain't enough? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That your your wife ain't enough. 
You know what I mean? That your community is not enough. The people that look like you lose lose value because you want to look like them. Right. So, oof. And 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 it's a conversation we had after we watched Queen and Slim. I'm, I'm gonna go back to that in the way of I have had a different black experience. Some would say less. Uh, some would say. Some would say I've been very privileged in life. Some would say I'm very naive. I say I'm both. And something clicked to me after that movie. And I, 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 I'm a paraphrase. I can't remember exactly what I said. But it was like, Gerald, you know, I understand if people think I may act differently. I understand if you may think if I act differently around our own people. And I was saying, at the end of the day, we really are all in the same boat. It doesn't matter our background. It doesn't matter... Truly, where we're from, it matters where we are. It matters. It matters, mm-hmm. like you know. No, keep going. Man. Yeah, it matters. <laughs> uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. It matters. Basically, that's an initial. Oh, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> it, it matters. Who I am as a black man. And I interact with other black people. It's, you know, I should not treat anybody that look less than to me. Because there might be someone that looks different to me and they're having a time in their life. And they're looking at me like, okay, you uppity, prissy, blah, blah, blah. This and the third. We are truly all the same. And that movie really opened my eyes to a lot of things. And then also in my career, in my career, I work in a lot of areas where, and here's the funny thing. I work in a lot of areas where it is to my advantage for me to be in a black neighborhood where you're black. Exactly. But it's like, I'm meeting different black people, different families and learning. I think I'm learning more now than I ever have before of just what it is of being black. And there's just different, there's so many different factors. Well, so that many just different means areas. that you fell victim to, to um, what was put in us a long time ago. Yes. The separation of us. Yes, you yes, know, The yes. conditioning of us to 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 not be looked at a certain way. You know what I mean? Like, you're not black enough, which I always thought was a juvenile conversation. I th- always thought that shit was immature. Yes, very. Like, grown people shouldn't be having paper bag conversations like, are you black enough? Yeah. Do you have this knowledge? Even though I enjoy some of the little black card revoke games. Yeah. And you don't lose, you can't lose your black card, this 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 fictional card that everybody's talking about. You can't lose that. Yeah. Now, you can be Judas. You can. But you're still black. Yes. At the end of the day, some people forget. So, some, some people, and I look at, and you know, it's, it's funny you say that. I look at my family. Whatever they were going through in Miami, uh... Back in the 70s, 80s, 90s, whatever. Whatever they was going through, they chose to move up to Maryland where I was born. And it was just better for them up there. I, a lot of upper middle class black people don't want to be around niggas. And that's how they say it. Yeah. Yeah. That's how they say it. You don't, if you want to be in a nice neighborhood, if you want to be in the suburbs, if you want to be outside of the inner city, you don't have to down people. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just because you want better for your children. Right. And you don't have to move into a neighborhood that you can't relate to. Even right. when you move out of the city. Right. 
There's still black neighborhoods everywhere. There are. And, 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 you know, my family, they, they chose to move up north. They, they wanted to get out of the hood because they were tired of it. Did I, I haven't exactly had that conversation with them of why they were tired of it. They were just tired. They were like, you know what? We go shoot up north. Um, where I guess there was a little bit of more family up north, whatever. But, and I'm talking through my experience of, of, of being uh-huh. black. And, I see you sound very personal. <laughs> but also, it's like, I'm saying all this to say, with the idea of gun violence, and this is my issue. This is my issue with life. I am happy that I have never had to encounter gun violence. I... I'm happy that I've never had to see the end of a gun. However, what bothers me is I don't know what to do if that ever happens. Nobody does. Nobody does. Not not even people that grow up in that environment. Okay. Nobody thinks it's going to be them. Because and that's what I'm saying. Because in my head, I'm asking like, is there? If you've been in that kind of situation before, you might have the upper hand on how to defend yourself. Me, I'm over here like la di da, happy day, oh happy day. You know, you still gonna be shocked because you're about to lose your life. Okay, it doesn't take much. It, it, there's no difference. You know what I mean? This this is what I always try to tell people that, you know, especially black people that that feel like they're not in. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> there's there's no difference. You're still a man. You're still a person. Yeah. And you said, like it or not, you're still a part of this, you know, what what we call black community. You're still a part of that. Yeah. So there's nothing going to separate you from being fearful of your life. Right. You know, there's nothing that says, okay, since I'm from the hood and somebody <laughs> pulls a gun on me, I'm going to be like, I'm, I'm just going to eat some sunflower seeds while this is happening. Right. You know what I mean? I'm going to be cool about this. Right. You're still thinking about the same thing, no matter who you are and where you, what your background is. You still care that it's a gun in your face. You still scared. Right. Anybody that tells you different is lying. Fair, and it's. I don't know if I've ever even told you this, but I always look at being book smart is cool. I would consider myself book smart, semi, but I've always envied anybody who is street smart. And I might, when I say envy, I mean, you know, you may know the streets, you may know things that I just don't know, and I'm too damn naive. And the people that you're talking about envy book smarts. You know, they care about that too. Yeah. You know, every person in the hood is not, not just a hundred percent dedicated and all in with street life. Right. No, There's well, some of course. great, amazing people in the projects. In black neighborhoods and in poverty-stricken areas, there's some very intelligent people. There's some very enti- uh, wise people. There, where there's no difference, you know, because of the location, because ge- geographics. Right. There's no difference there. You know, there's still people that want the same opportunities that everybody else has. You know what I mean? And it's 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 kind of hard hearing. That in 2020, damn this year, <laughs> that in 2020, there's still people that feel like they've been been outcasted. You know what I mean? That that they they don't belong. That they they have a hard time fitting in with with their people, as if every person, all of us, are the same. We're different shades. We have different interests. 
just like any other culture. Any other culture. Every white guy I know ain't the same. Right. Every Asian I know don't do nails. Right. You know what I mean? Every yeah. Jew I know isn't rich. Right. You know what I mean? All the stereotypes. You realize all the stereotypes, they're there, but it's like when you when you meet people and talk to people and have a conversation with people and you dig deep down, you realize some of them stereotypes is just driven to almost keep people. All of them. They're all driven to keep people. Separate. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, all of them. All of them. Um, and and that's that's just, that's sad. It is. That, that we still have people out here promoting that type of thought. You know what I mean? Because we not. And that, and that separation, even in the same areas, yeah. is what, what promotes the violence. You know what I mean? Yes. That's what promotes the war, the feuds. That's what promotes all of that. Us feeling like somebody better than us. Or we don't have something, so we got to go take it. And was, what to me was worse is also, if you look at time... You look at people my age at 27, you look at people older than that, then you, you have generations that are teaching my generation. My generation might be teaching younger generation of who to hate, what color to move past, what co- like, like, like this color means no, or this means go, or this means great, this and the third, to a point where it's like, do you even know why you're supposed to dislike me? Or do you even know why you dislike me? Or were you taught that? Yeah. Was it trauma that happened in your life? And now you're just like... Psh. Another thing, and... and, and, even, and even with black people. Yes, yes. Um, having those feelings against white people. And I was young, and I thought a lot of different things about about white people. And and I was wrong. Right. You know what I mean? Once I, it's, it's a closed-minded thing to think the same about everybody. In a particular group. Yes. Yes. If I go in this room, everybody in this room is going to hate me. They're going to wish, wish nothing but ill on me. They don't care about nothing about me. You know what I mean? They don't care nothing for me right. at all. Right. Because I'm black. Everybody doesn't feel that way with one group of people. You know what I mean? They're, we're not all the same. They're, we're, just like we're not all the same, they're not either. Right. And we, we have to start opening our minds up to this world and see what it is. Now, are we we, we treated bad by mostly every race on earth? Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah, we are. Yeah. But the way that we feel is out of defense most of the time. Very much so. Because if you don't like me, I'm not going to like you if you don't like me. I'm not going to keep my guards down around somebody that automatically doesn't like me. Yeah. So it's going to be a problem if you treat me like you don't like me. And then what I've been learning in general, how do you treat others that aren't like me? Or how do you, it's, it's, because it's people. Within like black people. Within black people. Within black people. Well, it's and a then, straight shooter show, brother. You yeah. got to go ahead and say it. Yeah. Don't, don't so, talk well, it. In, in general, with, with. With black people and how they treat black people, also with white people and how they treat black people, with white people, they would look at me. I used to be, I'll admit this, I I didn't know it at the time, but now I'm looking back, I was a token. And people, black people, white people looked at me a certain way. But then how would you look at my friend if he wasn't the token? How do you treat him? Yeah. Because at the end of the day. If you cool with me being black, you're going to treat me. 
and everybody else that looked like me exactly. fairly. Fairly. Get to know me before you have yeah. some. But we live in that kind of world. Right, though. right. And it's like... What, what, what about black people, though? Uh, let, me, let me get you on back on this side. Of course. No, no, of course. Back on the we, side. We kind of went real general. We did. We did. Inter- general. International for a second. I will say that, you know, thinking back of high school, I won't say college. College, I think I was a lot more open-minded. High school, I, I definitely wasn't. I didn't hang out with black people. Or with, uh, no, I didn't hang out with black people in, in high school because I felt alienated. I felt, you know, they, they were cool with me. I was a cool guy. This time there, I got along with everybody, but I didn't do some of the same things that they were doing. I wasn't smoking. I wasn't drinking. I wasn't having sex. So they're like, hey, Tyreek's cool. We're just not going to invite him to the parties. Okay, but that's 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 kind of you though. Yeah, it, it was me. It's, yeah, yeah, that, that was me. Because that's that's saying that you thought all of them were doing that. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. And, and that type of mind frame that means that you weren't exposed to enough on this side. I wasn't. Not at all. I. My exposure of, of 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 being black or of black people in different kinds, that really didn't happen until damn near the end of my days of college. But you but you actually you you were blinded by the perception of us when you didn't even have to look far. You know, you didn't grow up in a household with anybody like that. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they were black. Yeah. You have family members that I'm pretty sure you interacted with. They weren't like that. No. You know what I mean? So when you walked out the door, you took on a mind frame that was given to you. Right. You know what I mean? To be careful, to be scared, to be worried, to 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 not be accepted. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and that's that's not cool. And and a lot of times when we move out of predominantly black neighborhoods and take our kids to to mixed schools and and not that that's wrong, and, and sometimes you can't do nothing about it. No. You know what I mean? If yeah. you're making over 50 grand a year, and you're still living in an area where the average income is 15000 20000 then okay. You know, it's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to happen. But you still have to make efforts when you're picking neighborhoods and, and schools for your children to make their, make sure there's still some value in 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 us, yes. Because a lot of times, even even in the inner cities where those schools are, there's no value of us. It's almost like a prison in school. You got these, you got these what we used to call the box classes. Those uh-huh. kids, those are the kids with with that acted like they was five, right? You know what I mean? Like every kid is supposed to be mature, so they put them in the slow class on the slow halls where where. They're not privy to everything else that the average student is, is privileged to. You know what I mean? Lunchtime with other kids. Their you know, funding a classroom. is cut. You know, huh? their funding is cut. They ain't got enough books or they ain't got updated. It, it's, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. But right across the river, it's, it's, they got everything. But you know these kids need this more than they do. Yeah. Because those kids got that stuff at home. Yeah. They got computers. They got book access to books. They got uh, library cards if they don't have the books. They know where the Barnes and Noble is. Hell, they got internet. Yeah. But kids in the inner city, they don't have that. They don't know what a... I, I didn't even know for a long time growing up, it was a library right around the corner from where I was growing up. Jeez. When I started going to the library, it was after we moved out the hood. That's something else. It's just that information. 
Yeah. You know, so if you're in a school like that and you're a teacher or you're a student, you don't want to tell the student about these opportunities that you're aware of because you don't believe they're going to make it anyway. A lot of times, I'm not speaking for all teachers, right? but a lot of times, like, like it's, it's like going to visit somebody in jail. Yeah. Not only do the inmates look like they're in prison, but the people working there, they look like it too. <laughs> you know, they're, they're all in jail, whether they like it or not. Yeah, you get to go home, but while you're there, you still take that with you. Yeah. When you leave. You, you you get to see the how how flawed the system is. You you see You see a lot of different things. You see how messed up this world really is. You you see things and just like in the inner city, you, you see things that you probably not mature enough to even handle. You know what I mean? So these kids are being bred to act the way they act. Right. Because a five year old won't stay still? Yeah. How many five-year-olds you know want to stay still? None. <laughs> because Unless. a ten-year-old is talking to their friends who they haven't seen since yesterday? Yeah. Yeah, I want to talk to my friend. Yeah. Your job as the, the adult and as the teacher, first and foremost, the teacher. <laughs> You're supposed to know how to deal with children like this. You you went to college. You've had training. Yeah. But because you're lazy. Yeah. You want to put these kids in the environments where they're just surrounded by other kids just like them. Yeah. Rambunctious, energetic, talkative, and put a label on them that they're going to take with them for the rest of their life. And then they grow up. Yeah. I've already been institutionalized. You think I'm scared of jail? Hmm? Yeah. You think I'm scared to go to prison? Conditioning, they're, they're ready for it. They're like, oh, I can handle this. It's, yeah. it's, it's another day at the office. And and in that class, in those environments, I'm learning how to deal with other energetic people, other aggressive kids that don't really have no supervision. You know what I mean? They were still paddling those kids. They were still handling them. Something. They got to wrestle them down to the ground and like you're teaching these kids like fight. Yeah. It's like a cage fighting or truly it's it's, it's like prison it's, is different. That's why they call it a box class. Yeah. You know what these slow learning uh students? So so they said. It's slow learning, no, it's a slow teacher. You know, both in school and at home. Because you get a check. You wanna submit your your uh you wanna give your child to the system like that. And I'm not saying everybody has the same situation before I get cussed out. <laughs> I'm not saying that, but I'm saying the majority of the cases are, are, are from what I get and what I saw. Yeah. That's my report. That's what I saw. You did your research. I, I saw, no, I lived in it. I seen it. And we got to stop, stop putting it on somebody else to treat our kids the right way. We got to stop going to these schools and, and talking to a 23-year-old new student. I mean, new teacher. Yeah, that just... Or the TA. Yeah, that has no experience. Them. Right. Has no experience with children. Don't have any children. Probably was, you know what I mean? They, they weren't exposed to a lot of different types of people. And you go up there and you have a meeting with them. And you've had children for 10 years. Yeah. You have a meeting with them, and they change your mind about what you're doing. 
they change your mind about how to deal with your child. This is your child. And you have more you have more experience being alive than they do. Yeah. You've seen more than they have. And you let them tell you that you're doing it wrong. That you know how to deal with your child. You know that they talk a lot. You know how to how to correct them when they're talking out of pocket. When they're not focused, you know how to get them on, in, in, in focus. <laughs> you know how to get them back on track. But this teacher that's not the mother or the father, that's 23, fresh out of college, weren't they weren't taught in their little books about how to deal with these children. They think all children are the same way. Mm-hmm. Eager to learn, yeah. always raising their hands. Stay in line when they go into the lunchroom, ask for a hall pass, stay in their seating class. Those are the only te- kids they being taught that, that exist in school. So when they meet one that gets up out of, out of their seat without asking for permission, oh, you got it. What's wrong with you? Yeah. They, then they, they start seeing that there's, there's, there's problems in households as well, too. And it, I'm not saying that you know, all these kids are bad Every kids. community has broken families. And some people... Don't know how to handle that. Right. So they, they label these kids. These are the kids that they putting out there. So if you start teaching me at a pace that you're not teaching everybody else, yeah, I'm not going to be as smart as the other kids. Yeah. I'm in the fifth grade. You still teaching me colors. Yeah. You're not teaching me at the pace that the other kids are. I'm still, I'm in high school and I'm wondering where the jungle gym is. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm 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 still trying to learn numbers and and I'm in the tenth grade, and that's that's not cool at all. You need to access parents. You need to access your children on your own. You know, you've been there since birth. You know if there's something wrong with your child. But the way they got us is the way they got us with with uh, welfare. We needed the money, so when you hear that something might be going on with your children. In school, you know a check is attached to that because they're going to mention that check. Yeah. Now that you have a check attached to it, it ain't going to hurt them. Go go ahead. Yeah. Let's put them in those classes. Now you created a child that knows they're smart, and now all the kids are ridiculing these kids. All the other kids are treating them like trash, like you dumb, you stupid, you slow. So now I got to fight. Don't call me stupid. I know I'm smarter than you. You creating this environment. And we created this environment. That's why it's, it's, it's all of us that it takes to fix it. Yeah. We have to start taking responsibility for our communities, our children. And again, what Bill Russell said, the great Bill Russell, one of the best quotes I ever had in my life, and you'll hear it again on this show. There's no such thing as other people's children. If you see somebody making that decision for their child, you're obligated, you're charged to say, hey, hold up. I've known your kid for a long time. You know what I mean? We're neighbors. Yeah. Your kid can play the same video games my kid play. play. They're interested in the same books, the same movies. They can ride their bike. So behavioral problems, a lot of times behavioral problems because just like ADD is, <laughs> you know what ADD really is? What is it? I'm a steal from Dr. Umar Johnson. Ain't no daddy at home disorder. 
Ain't no daddy. And that's the root of all of this. That's the root of the crimes. Because that, if you knew you was going to go to the store, I remember granddaddy's coming to the store. Did you take that candy? <laughs> Did you take it? it Give ready. it back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he'll whip your ass right there in that store. In front. Of everybody. Yes. In front of your friends. He's yes. going to jack you up. Yes. And then when you get home, you got some chores that, that's going to teach you. You ain't going to never do that. I want you to tune up that bicycle. I want you to paint that wall. I want you to lay those bricks. I want you to wash that wall. You're going to scrub these floors with a toothbrush. I'm going to make a man out of you. Men don't take. Men don't steal. Men should always be proud of what they do for a living. Always. And that's related to everything if you sell dope. You're only making money off of the people that look like you most of the time. Huh. And I'm not saying I didn't come from that. I understand it. I needed some money. Yeah. I needed to take care of myself. I needed to help people that I cared about. Yeah. So I took the opportunities that I saw in front of me until I started thinking, well, if I can't get an opportunity or a meeting with those people, I need to start creating my own opportunities. If they say you can't, you go do it yourself. You find somebody else that feel like you and y'all go half. Find another one, y'all go a third. As many as it takes to get yourself out of that. And if you are doing it right now, find a way to clean that. Turn that into something to legit. Find a way to make it work. If you're out here taking chances, you can't do it forever. Right. But I'm going to get off my soapbox. <laughs> nah, I, uh, you gave me a lot to think about. You gave me a lot to think about. I'm a... I love all of us. I love every shade of us. I love every, every... I love the hustlers. I love the drug dealers. I love, I love the gang members. I love them all. Because we all want the same thing. I love the pastors. I love the blue collars. Yeah. We all want the same thing. Corporate dudes, the L7s out here wearing their suits to work. I love us all. But we all need each other. Don't think because you got a Lexus and a $200,000 house that you ain't like me. No, not at all. And don't think because you don't have a $200,000 house or a Lexus or a blue-collar job or a white-collar job that that they owe you something. That they should be down here with you. We got to stop hating each other. And that ain't given to you. That, that that's, that's, not, that's not what you were born with. That was given to you. That was given to you to think that when you look at another man that looked like you, got the same skin tone as you, that he part of the same tribe as you, that, that you don't, y'all, y'all not going to get along. That y'all ain't going to have nothing in common. He like collard greens too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. He like the sweet potato pie. He gonna push that pumpkin pie. Well, <laughs> hold on a second now. Black people, I have something to admit to y'all and my white friends that are listening right now. Oh, I got something. To... No. Hey man, I'm gonna go ahead and say it. That pumpkin pie, all right. <laughs> don't y'all, don't y'all push that that pie away from y'all. Until you taste it. It's going to smell different. 
It got a little different taste when you put it in your mouth. But it tastes good. If you ain't got a sweet potato pie, that pumpkin pie will do. I had a chance to eat pumpkin pie. And I said no because uh, <laughs> one girl cool was like, hey, I made a pie. I was going to bring it over to you. I said, okay, what kind? She said pumpkin and, and, and uh, pecan. First strike was she forgot I was allergic to nuts. So we ain't doing no pecans. Second of all, oh, you one of those people. I'm one of those people. I'm so glad she said a pumpkin and pecan pie because that made Hold on, mixed together? It was like oh, half so and half, half and half, yeah. Half and half? Yeah, it made it, but it made it easier for me to not get the pie because I'm like, hold up, I'll eat pecans. Like, I'll die. So, what ungodly type of uh, concoction is that? People <laughs> eat, so I, I'm, I'm, assuming she, I'm assuming her folks liked it. She wanted to bring me a whole one, like, hey, happy Thanksgiving. on one side. Yes. And then pumpkin on the other side. Or was it pumpkin and pecan mixed together? It might have been the second part. All I know is I heard both, but I heard one that I knew would kill me. The other half. I'm, I'm just glad I like ate it. you probably just stopped listening after you heard pecan. Yeah, because I was like, like, hey. She probably said she got two pies. <laughs> and, and you heard pecan pie and pumpkin pie. You just lost interest. Either way, Your I brother, finessed out of it. I implore you. <laughs> The next time somebody offers you a homemade pumpkin, pumpkin pie. With no pecans. Taste that thing, man. I will. I taste it. That's the bridge right there to get white people and black people together right there. <laughs> pie. Who do? Black people, we need to buy some pumpkins and show them how to tweak that thing a little bit. I think that might be one of my new new projects right there. See? I know I can make it taste better. <laughs> but it tastes good, too. Yeah. When you get a homemade one, yeah. it's all right. It's all right. I had to let y'all know about that. <laughs> Do not sleep on the pumpkin pie, people. So Sorry. let me let me ask. Um, I'm asking a question. Uh, I'm related to pumpkin pie, but that was that was a highlight. I like that a lot. Uh, I guess to 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 bring it together, mentality, our mental state. Of 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 gun violence, of community, of us looking like us, of us, you know, taking care of each other, taking care of each other, yeah. mentally, mentally, and I said it in the beginning, not everyone that has a gun should use it, because to me, there everybody is, shouldn't have a gun. There's responsibilities, yeah, that if come with know. it. Yeah, if you don't know the rules of having a gun, you shouldn't have one. Learning rules. So let me ask you this, and I'm asking you this: If you could give, if you could give our, our our people three rules, three rules that you live by, or three rules that you've heard, or three rules that you think would be sufficient of even owning a gun, we're not even talking about using one. Everybody could own a gun and have it stuck tucked somewhere in their house, but one day, God forbid, they might have to use it. Well, I mean, the the three rules I have for life and manhood and my outlook. All have three pieces. Okay. That should always matter to you every single breath you take. Okay. God. Okay. Family. Okay. And community. Community. Okay. Though, if you don't have that together, if you don't have a sense of all three of those things, it don't matter what you touch, you're going to destroy it. That's clean. So we got to have those, those, those are the three important pillars to man, woman, child, you need to have a sense of those. You need to have a responsibility to those. 
Your character, that should be the foundation of your character. If you don't know God, get to know him for yourself. Right. If you don't have a family, what you waiting on? <laughs> if you don't know what your, what's going on in your community, are you asleep? Are you not involved? You don't have to be Malcolm X or Martin Luther King or Meg Evans or Shirley Chisholm. You don't have to be them. You can be the ones marching behind them. And you're just as important as them. What's Martin Luther King without them people that was walking behind him? If he had no supporters, we wouldn't have really believed in him. Yeah. What's a king without a castle? What's a king without a country? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. What's a king without a queen? That's a big one. What are you? We got to starve. We got to get back to the to the village. It does take a village in every aspect, not just to raise a child, but to keep keep one raised properly. You know, we we it wasn't a big sense of before our community started breaking up in the sixties and seventies. If you was out here molesting somebody, we got rid of you. Yeah. If you was out here raping, we got rid of you. If you was out here stealing and murdering, we got rid of you. We ain't had no use for you. When our communities and when our villages were raided, our villages were raided. And some of us, you know, some of us, unfortunately, we didn't have the tools for the common sense or the sense that other people had. And they they used that against us. They faulted us for, for things we didn't know. Some of us even knew it, but our villages were raided. Our villages were taken over to a point where now, not only were they raided and taken over, we were poisoned mentally. Pillaged. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we we were mentally to to now, we don't want to have that community. We want to continue to have that separation. To whereas we look at people the same color and tone as us as different or other. I'm using a college term, other. To whereas we can't sympathize, and and what really what really what really brought me home was when, Gerald, when you were talking about you love every black man. See. Every, every last one of them. Every, every last one of them. There's, and, and, and just to go back to what I said, it's not saying that we treated, you know, some of us, the, the undesirables, yeah. as if they didn't matter. But if you hurting us, yeah. if you hurting our children, what good are you? No good. You know? yeah. Return to sender. Yeah. You always gonna have a home, but it's not here anymore. Yeah, it's not here. You gotta go find. You gotta go live amongst that. Black people care about being burglarized, yes, raped, we do. and yes. murdered. Yes, yes. We care about seeing junkies walking up and down the street just as much as somebody in the suburban areas. We've always cared about that, and some somehow now the holes and the drug deals and you, what the drug users now. The hoes and the drug users are winning. Those are the ones that are getting respected. And I don't know these people. So I won't call their names out, but you see them on Instagram. Yeah. You hear the music. Yeah. You know, we, we got to have a profound respect for strippers now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This, this is who you want raising your daughter. Wait, wait till you, you, the relationship don't work out and how she treats you then. 
You know, this is this is the woman you want to marry, share your life with, and build with. You want to make your primary focus money. And when you make money your primary focus, that's when we go back to the love of money. It's the root of all evil. It's not money. There's nothing wrong with having money. You need money to take care of things. But when you fall in love with that more than your wife, more than your daughter, more than your son, more than your, your, your mother, your father, your neighbor, that's when it's a problem. That's when it's a problem, guys. So, this is a rough conversation. And, and some of y'all might be mad at me. For the ones that's mad at me, try to understand where I'm coming from. And if you don't, you don't. But this is how I feel. This is this is how a lot of us feel. And we're tired of losing each other. I don't want to lose you. You that's listening. I don't want to lose you. So we got to step up. That's what I meant by when when I said on the, on the, on the last episode when I said pull your pants up, pull your boots up. We got to get it together. If you're gonna be a man, be a man. If you don't know how, keep listening. <laughs> keep listening. Yes, 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 yes. I give you everything I got, and if I ain't got enough, I go find it. Somebody gonna sit down and talk to us. I don't know everything, but I'm trying. I'm trying. Rest in peace, Haz. Rest in peace. This has been another episode of Cut Different. Thank you, Tyreek, for coming. Thank you. Even though you said I'm a government of 500 times. <laughs> I kept, hey, y'all, I kept trying to cue him. I wrote my name, wrote my name, out, but anyway, I ain't going to mess with you. <laughs> I got you but, next uh, time. <laughs> guys, it's, it's been real. It's, it's been real, and, and for Haz, I'm going to keep this show coming. I'm going to keep trying to have an episode a week, and 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 we were trying to get to two weeks, two two times a week. Uh, that was one of the conversations me and Haz had before he took his break. He wanted to amp it up. When I get there, I get there. I'm going to try. But right now, I want to keep making sure that there's an episode a week. Just uh, cut different. Hashtag cut different on all platforms. We on Apple. We on Spotify. You you heard me say it a million times. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Let's get these numbers up. And let's get this message. Heard. Heard. You don't have to do what I say. And if you got something to add to what I'm saying, please comment, like, share. We can have the conversation. And I welcome anybody to sit down with me. Anybody. And as always... You could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with me. These are my two cents. You can spend it or save it. Do with it what you will. Hashtag cut different. Love y'all. Peace.